us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. The following matchup is scheduled for one fall, and it is for the last comic shop heavyweight championship of the world. Making his way to the ring, it's the challenger weighing 566 omnibuses. It is Long boxes, brother. You can take that long box and shove it, man. My omnis are taking you down. I'm bringing it to the new ones, the old ones, everyone. And when I unify the belts, it's free comic book day for everyone. Listen, I'm bringing the big two. That's this boot and that boot. And we're coming straight for you, brother. I'm going to turn you into a slab, man, and then I'm going to get a CBC rating on you, and it's not even going to go over five. Oh, you're hurting my feelings with my creased corners and my yellowed insides. But that's not going to keep me from taking you down, mister. Taking you all the way down to the garbage dumps in the back where they tear off your covers <laughs> and throw out the trash. Now I want a good, clean fight, y'all. No hair biting, no creasing corners, no pulling each other's pages out of turn, no taking the bookmark out and putting it in another slot. I don't got any time for that. I don't want any silly business in here. So we're going to have a good, clean match, and we're going to get it all. <laughs> and it's the last comic shop, and I'm the host of the most, Eddie Larson, and I hope you enjoyed our wrestling thing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Whatever that was. That was pretty terrible. I it was. I, I, will, I won't lie. Like, I've only re- watched wrestling on and off since uh, Shawn Michaels retired because he was my boy. Uh, but I'm joined by uh, Chad Smith. I used to watch wrestling with Chad back in the Attitude Era. Well, Chad, your favorite wrestler? Oh, yeah. I, see, I was a fan of the tag team guys. So uh, I'm going to go Edge and Christian. Can Ooh. I combine them? Yeah, yeah. Can I go with Team Eck and include Kurt Angle with them? <laughs> oh, <laughs> team Eck. That's my, and of course, J.A. Scott, my other co-host, uh, J.A., do you have a favorite wrestler from back in the day? He unfortunately has passed away, maybe. Uh, he probably did. Most of them have. Razor Ramon. R.I.P. Yes, the bad guy. guy. Yes. Yes. And of course, as I mentioned, we've got Ethan Larson on today's show because it's all about wrestling. We're going to be covering a wrestling comic book. So we might as well have a wrestling aficionado. So, Ethan, I know WrestleMania is coming out later this week. Matchup you're looking forward to? It's stupid not to say um, you know, Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes. One of the biggest stars from AEW came over to WWE. Is now going to be wrestling the, the unstoppable champion in Roman Reigns, who's going on 900-plus day title run. Uh, wow. Unified both the Universal and WWE championships. And look uh, at the lineage got- with those guys. Right. Dusty Rhodes' kid, the American dream, Gold Dust's brother. <laughs> and he's got an unfortunate neck tattoo now, too. So, <laughs> doesn't Roman Reigns like suck, though? He's gotten a lot better. Oh, okay. 
Because when I watched him back in the day, he was not very good, yo. Does he still wear that chest protector? No, he doesn't. He dropped that like a sack of bricks. So <laughs> That was stupid as hell. D'Lo Brown chest protector. Exactly. Everybody knows about that match. Name something on the low card that you're looking forward to. The Bloodline angle that also includes Roman Reigns, uh, but Sami Zayn has been trying to get into their group for the better part of the year, has been bested at every turn in the way. And he's going to be probably teaming with uh, Kevin Owens to take on the Usos, who are the longest reigning now tag team. So that's, wow. that's WWE's gimmick now, just having really long, long. So they just teams. they don't like to give the titles away anymore. No. It's like the <laughs> early 80s and like just give it to the Hulkster and just let yeah. him run wild. Because they realized a long time ago, like, it means a lot more when you actually change the belt instead of, like, the Attitude Era where they changed it every five minutes. One show, you'd have three champions. Yeah, that hardcore title, you'd have more than that. Well, if you're wondering why we're talking so much about wrestling, again, we are going to be reading a comic book that deals with wrestling. It's a seven-part series that has been widely acclaimed. Like, if you go out to the comics Twitter out there or any place else, you know, social media that deals with comic books, everybody will be talking about Do a Power Bomb by Daniel Warren Johnson. And this is actually the second book from Daniel Warren Johnson that we've covered on this show. So we were all fans of Wonder Woman Dead Earth. I wanted to read Murder Falcon, but I got voted down for the year of change. Murder Falcon's good, but it didn't speak to me nearly as much as Do a Powerbomb. Yeah. Well, I was so glad you chose this book, Chad. This, <laughs> was, this was amazing. Oh, well, something else that's amazing is our weekly polls. It's amazing that people keep on turning up over at The Last Comic Shop on Twitter to vote in these things every single week. It's amazing that J.A. Scott still comes out with quality polls for us every single week. So something that's also amazing is the fact that we like to come on the show and give you the results. Amazing, isn't it? So, J.A.'s got four polls, I believe, that we're going to be recapping on today's program. So, uh, J.A., why don't you hit us up with that first poll? Who is your favorite character that struggles with duality? This <laughs> Way to related- bring up the, ten, like the $15 words for, for <laughs> folks out there. It makes sense after a serious polyp. I guess it yes. does, yeah. Real quickly, can you define duality for us? What does Webster's Dictionary define duality as? Webster's Dictionary is still It'll be the, fun. Uh, It'll be a fun little thing. The industry standard. It's not Urban Dictionary. <laughs> if they looked up duality in the Urban Dictionary, it'd be like... Somebody doing somebody named Ality. <laughs> You're off. So Webster's Dictionary, duality, noun. The quality or state of having two different or opposite parts or elements. Dualism. Uh, all right. Well, what were the uh, what were the choices here for duality? Two Face, Magneto, Namor, or Doctor Manhattan. I mean, Two Face. It's obvious, right? That's what I would have thought. I mean, too bad from He-Man wasn't on that list. So, like, I don't know how else you could be like more dualism than Two Face, uh, Chad. I tried to vote Three D Man because I like my people with depth, <laughs> but. Uh, Ultimately, Two-Face was the way that I went. I think I voted Two-Face, though I don't remember. He did not win, by the way. He came in second place. Magneto, with an astounding 48% of the vote, won. So, 
we got a lot of X-Men fans, but also I I appreciate it because it's someone voting for a character arc that shows dualism rather than just something that's knocking you over the head. Oh, he's got two sides of one face and he flips a coin. Boom, boom, boom. Well, real quickly, since we're talking about it, Ethan, do you prefer Magneto as a good guy or a bad guy? Probably a bad guy. My favorite Magneto of all time is when the cage at the end of what, X2... That's a badass Magneto right there. So, Chad. Well, since it's our pro wrestling show, everybody knows the heels are never as good once they go face. Right? Like, they sure, they get the crowd to react, but they're always better when they were the heel. And that's the same with Magneto. He's such a great bad guy. So many stupid plots, though, to take over the world. Like, so many stupid ones. Why would he name his group the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? Like, you're giving it away right in the title. (laughs) I I was going to say, I think I'm one of the few people that prefers him as a good guy. I loved Magneto was, like, basically the Professor X. For the X-Men in the 80s. Yeah, it was the headmaster. He had that stupid-ass costume with, like, the giant M on his chest, but I didn't care. Didn't he hook up with Wasp at one point? No, the, no there was this great run where he's the headmaster, and but the Avengers don't know that, so they attack him thinking he's the bad guy, and magic shows up and sends Captain America's shield to Limbo. Go find that, Cap. Go find your junk. It's in this <laughs> alternate universe. You thought World like, War II was going to hell and back. Try this. <laughs> <laughs> Leave our teacher alone. Still bitter that like nobody voted for a Two-Face. But in any case, what's the next poll, J.A.? The next poll was best insect-inspired character. And they're not as many as people think. Because every <laughs> good action hero that's derived off of a creepy crawler tends to be derived from a spider or arachnid. So the tick is arachnid. Mm. Spider-Man, obviously a spider. Tarantula, any of those. Mm. They are not accepted in this poll. So it was Ant-Man, Wasp, Blue Beetle, or Bumblebee from the Teen Titans. All right, Ethan, you're up first. Bumblebee all the way. Oh, that's that's it. That's because your daughter, right? She loves that. Yeah, DC DC superhero girls. Yeah, that's how I know her. That's a great show uh, when Paul Dini was running it, but it went downhill when they changed the animation style and became crap. How do you really feel about this? (laughs) All right, I voted for obviously Booster Gold's better half, Ted Cord and the Blue Beetle. That's that's one of the uh, dream teams of DC. Uh, him and Booster Gold. And honestly, I, I've always liked Blue Beetle. Um, I don't like the new one, though. I don't oh, like it. You I don't know. like Jamie Reyes? I do not. That's such a cool costume. It's a stupid costume. <laughs> stupidly cool. It's stupidly stupid is what it is. Anyways, who'd you vote for, Chad? I voted for both Blue Beetles. <laughs> what about the Beetle from the Golden Age? The Blue Beetle from the Golden Age. You know what he had? What did he have? He had a lot of good girl art on all his covers. Eventually they were like, no, we don't want to draw the Blue Beetle. Let's just draw half-naked women. These covers. Check it out. They figured it out. That's what we do on the last comic shop. I put you to bed tonight. That's that's what you do on the last comic shop. J.A., who was your vote? I voted for Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp. You got to support Michelle Pfeiffer when you can. She is. She's a treasure. (laughs) Anyways, Blue Beetle handily won this poll. 48% of the vote. Ant-Man coming in second at 33. There there were no other insect-based... What about Yellow Jacket? I guess that was Ant-Man. Same guy. (laughs) And there's... Isn't there Baxter from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Oh, Baxter Stockman. 
Yeah. Butterfly. Butter's that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Firefly. Killer Moth. Mantis. The Fly. I'm good with the list you came up with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what was, what was poll number three, J.A.? Poll number three was, uh, what is the best Doom Patrol analog not named X-Men? Because Doom Patrol fans get really bent out of shape if you compare Doom Patrol to X-Men. Even though and, that's what they are, right? And, and X-Men fans don't get bent out of shape because no one cares <laughs> if you're an X-Men fan <laughs> about Doom Patrol. But uh, we had John Byrne's Next Men, the Umbrella Academy, which was erroneously put down as the Umbrella Factory <laughs> on I the poll. I think that's what tanked this poll. <laughs> I was going to say, that was an Andy Warhol experiment. <laughs> It came in second place with 40% of the vote, so people are all about getting it was, some... I won't lie, I had like a sheen on my brain. It was like the Berenstein Bears thing, where it was just like, I looked at it the first time, and I thought it said Umbrella Academy. I was like, okay, and then it wasn't until Mikey Wood pointed out. I was just like, yeah. oh, shoot, that's it, not what it says. It was that Shazam movie with Sinbad. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was last week's show. Don't talk about. Oh, sorry. It. Uh, they're not like us. And uh, finally, Valiant's Harbinger, yeah. which ended up winning with forty-six percent of the vote. I mean, Ja got like six people on the phone, <laughs> said, Will "You vote for Harbinger with me." <laughs> and then they go, "There you go." He was polling for his boys over a Valiant. So yeah, there's a lot of people that still love Valiant. I mean, Ja and six other people. <laughs> all right fourth and final poll and this this is the one that we really wanted to talk about earlier this month we had one of the best shows of all time if you want to listen to a really great show go back like three weeks and listen to our savage sword of conan show which Ethan was on. It was the last time Ethan was on the program. It is a fantastic show. And we had what, Ethan, on that show? March Blast. Yes, our tournament of the greatest barbarians of all time. We whittled it down from 16 to the final four. And what were the final four, J.A.? Conan, Red Sonia, He-Man, or Tarzan. <laughs> because... Because you have to listen to the show to find out why it was Tarzan. But <laughs> it was all because Ethan singing Phil Collins. I mean, yeah. let's just call it as it is. Like, and everybody likes a Cinderella story. That's what I was saying. <laughs> it was a third. He was the thirteenth seed, and he got all the way yeah. to the final. Four. Every everyone likes a Cinderella story up into a point, and then it wasn't even close. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> even close, people. What's the point, Conan? Just a massive 67% of the vote killed him. He-Man, a distant third at only a measly 11%. I know, measly. Red Sonya barely scraping into double digits at 13%. I I was pulling for He-Man. I was hoping that those Masters of the Universe fans would come out of the woodwork and support their boy, but it just never materialized. So, like, I mean, it's hard to go against Conan, but I was just, I was hoping that there would be some other, I don't know, maybe a two-horse race, but no, they split the vote. The three, the last, the other three. They split the vote for loser. (laughs) What was the poll again? The ultimate barbarian. And what's Conan's name? Conan the Barbarian. (laughs) There you go. Is it He-Man the Barbarian? 
It's definitely Tarzan the Barbarian. Brutus the Barber Barbarian? Look, Tarzan should have won it because he's practically nude most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great point. But I think at the end of the day, what you had in that poll was you had Duke, you had Gonzaga, you had uh, Texas, and then you had VCU pulling up in the rear with Tarzan. (laughs) So, of course, VCU is going to get smashed. Yeah. And Duke's going to win. You had all the Tarzan plans. All of a sudden... Like, they were all buying their Tarzan gear, and, like, the school store was selling out because they didn't think anybody cared about it. Hey, he'll, he'll still get a hero's victory when he comes off the jet, and they land in, the, in wherever the hell VCU is. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Virginia yeah. Collins! Oh, never mind. We're not a sports podcast. So, thank you so much to everybody that voted in all four of our polls that we recap today. Make sure that you're checking us out over at Last Comic Shop on Twitter every single week. Uh, coming up next, right after these commercial breaks, is our review of Do a Powerbomb. Right here, brother. Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, Head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's LCSPOD. Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. And I'm Sean Flanagan. And we are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast covering the Ninja Turtle comic book series one issue at a time. Plus the video games, the cartoon show, the VHS tapes. If it's Ninja Turtles, we'll cover it. Ninja Turtle Nerds is available wherever you get your podcast. Fans, we got a presentation for you tonight. We've got one of the greatest main events that we've ever had on the history of this program. The biggest and baddest repile that's ever hit the airwaves. You're going to call your parents, you're going to call your family or your friends, because it's going to be the last comic shop Tuesday night. Dynamite, right, Ethan? And, and you said it right here, brother. We, we've got some great stuff lined up. It's Do a Power Bomb by who, J.A.? So, Do a Power Bomb by Daniel Warren Johnson, the writer, artist, creator of this out of Image Comics. Mike Spicer did the colors. Russ Wooten on letterers and variant covers were provided by James Heron. So, Ethan, when we're talking about matches tonight, I mean, this one has a heck of a buildup. We're talking about months and months of storylines going on here, building up to that seventh issue. This has been a a fantastic story for the ages here, a classic tale where you have in one corner the mother of a young daughter who's just trying to fight to survive, and in the other corner... You've got the hulking mass, the big monster, and they're going to duke that out. And unfortunately, there's going to be a tragedy. But don't worry about it, because we're going to paint you a picture here. We're going to take the daughter, the Hulk, who may actually be her father. We're going to put them in a tag team, and we're going to send them to the nether regions, where they're going to fight in an epic tournament of champions, where eventually they're going to meet their maker, literally their maker, the big cheese, the big honcho, the creator of all, the alpha, the omega, 
Almighty God. And they're gonna learn a lesson along. Uh, well, let's go. Let's go to that locker room with Chad Smith. He's standing by with our ten cent synopsis. So, Chad, what do you got for us this evening? Uh, so, yeah, Ethan did a really great job setting things up. It's a story of a wrestling family where the mother is champ and she's in a match, and her opponent slips on the rope, and oh, mom's dead. And fast forward a few years later, no one wants to train the girl because. People have made them promise, oh, you can't train her. We don't want the same tragedy to befall our steel rose. But she's scrappy. She's determined. She's tough. And so she goes and tries to make it on her own and eventually is approached by a necromancer who makes a proposition. If she wins this wrestling tournament, she could bring back one person from the grave. The catch? It's a tag tournament. And so who does she get to join her in the tag tournament? But the person who killed her mother. Oh, what a twist! What a turn! And since this is a Daniel Warren Johnson book, not only do you get all the wrestling action, but you get some pure craziness with some of the opponents they go up against in this wrestling tournament. You have Orangabang, which are two Orangutan-based wrestlers. You have FYSO, which stands for F Your Stupid Opinions. And they end up going up against the pizza party, which is consisting of the pizza man and a werewolf and a pizza-loving t-shirt. You have the lucha bots, which are just like they sound. You have uh, like a knight of the round table duo and the knights of the Rhine and the devil doers. And they all meet in this tournament. And whoever wins the tournament is going to be able to bring back the soul of someone they love. And uh, like we said, our team, which becomes Sun and Steel, it's Cobra Sun and Steel Rose. They do well in the tournament, but uh, ultimately, they'll win, but then they win. Uh, <laughs> but it's fun. It's awesome. It is. It is. It, and, and I'll start off with my initial thoughts. Uh, again, comic books and wrestling are kind of like siblings in some ways. Serialized plotting, there's soap opera elements to both of these things. And a lot of folks that read comic books ultimately also like wrestling because, again, it's it's, it's similar storylines, it's a similar feel, it's a, it's a similar uh, appeal to, to folks that, that like that kind of narrative. Uh, you got these big, bulky guys that are running around in tights. It's, I mean, how, how else can you say it? So to do a comic book about wrestling is always going to be something that I'm really curious about because that's kind of marrying these two siblings together, which is bound to be an interesting result. And uh, when you uh, tack on the hyperkinetic art style of Daniel Warren Johnson, giant flying knees and like, I, I just don't understand how nobody dies in some of these issues because some of the impacts like off the top rope as a moonsault to just like land on this monkey one of the orangabangs i'm off to saying that a moonsault on a monkey i i, I just I, ethan you're the wrestling aficionado yeah. what'd you think well it's clear that you haven't watched wrestling in like 15 years bro because they're doing this stuff all the time in, in modern wrestling um yeah this is this was an amazing book for me Highly recommended for anybody that likes wrestling. Um, you actually had gotten the back quotes from Colt Cabana and Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels, two of the big indie darlings from the early 2000s who, who chimed in, who are also big comic book fans as well. And like you said, Andy, I think that it's a good, it's like peanut butter and jelly for real. I mean, there's been like, you know, WWE comics and I'm sure WCW comics at some point, 
and other people have tried to do wrestling in comic books and, and just fights in comic books and generally boxing, MMA. I'm sure that leads just as well to comic books as well as wrestling. But wrestling has that added aspect of storytelling that you get so much in this book. I mean, spoiler alert, but when Cobra Sun kills Dill Rose in the ring, which is crazy, by the way, because I'm just, I was just listening to a podcast talking about this same bump that happened in um, WCW back in like 1998, where they uh, snapped uh, Viano Four's neck on a neckbreaker powerbomb, and the guy's lucky to even be walking this day. So it's crazy to actually see that. It's like the wrestling gods were playing tricks with me or something to see that in the book. But when it's revealed to be her dad, it's kind of like, okay, this was obvious. Like, But the, but it was great and like, it was a, still that reveal that you get kind of in, in pro wrestling where it's the obvious does happen and it doesn't subvert expectations. It it meets those expectations and oftentimes you just want to see the payoff to what they're building toward. Appreciate that. Yeah, I want to just piggyback off of that real quick and ask J.A. Because I mean, I, that was the point in the book where this series kind of kind of took a turn for me. At the end of issue two with the reveal that that was her dad. I don't want to say that I started really caring, but I want to say that that's because re- like the first issue, it's kind of like, where's this going? And then it comes like crystal clear. It did definitely brought more gravitas to the book that after issue one, I, I will admit was a little bit lacking in anything mattering because it's quote unquote fake wrestling, right? This is what I wanted to hear because Jay is not a wrestling fan. And so I was curious how this book was going to translate. Yeah. I would have liked to gone a little bit more into the father's, you know, conflicted feelings about why he kept wrestling and sort of punishing himself. And, and, and this while trying to protect his daughter, it was very much focused on the daughter. I felt as a book, it's very tropey. It follows some standard things. I've, this is not the most original story. Father and daughter trying to save mom, you know, make a deal with the devil and blah, 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 end up fighting God. They, it's interesting that they used wrestling as the in for that. It could have been chess. It could have been playing cards. It could have been something that probably doesn't translate as well to comic books because it's not as exciting. You can't drop a power bomb when you – oh. Look at the flop. (laughs) I got an eight on the river. Boom. (laughs) I might read that book. That sounds fun. (laughs) Maybe I'll have to write that. (laughs) So it it played with a lot of sort of common themes in in an interesting way, in a nice way. I think if you're not a fan of wrestling, you can still read it. You'll still enjoy it. You know, I didn't think it was bad, but. I also can't gush about it as much as I think you guys are going to gush about it because I'm not so far, you know, into wrestling. So I'm not getting all of that second layer nuance. But no, I think uh, as I'm going to jump in here with, with my thoughts on this one, I love this because I do enjoy wrestling. And it's one of those things that I struggle to understand sometimes. And I think one of the best things this book does is walk that line. Where everyone knows, uh, you know, professional wrestling, the outcomes are predetermined. And the book will tell you it's all about the storytelling. In here, I could imagine, you know, if you're not into wrestling and you're like, oh, it's all fake. And they're doing all these moves. It doesn't seem that impressive. But for the wrestling fans that get into it and they see the poetry of, of all the moves and like the ballet and all the stuff these people are doing and can picture in their mind's eye, like 
real wrestlers putting their lives on the line to do these crazy stunts. That impacts people. But then they go so far as to make it real. And they're like, yeah, no, on other planets, you know, on the Orangabang universe, wrestling is real. And so all of a sudden, comic book readers, they could have that in, but you're still getting the same wrestling action. And there's a certain, uh, for lack of a better term, campiness to wrestling. There's a certain silliness or, you, you know, uh, about it that you just have to to buy in and once you've bought in this book delivers with non-stop ridiculously awesome characters with non-stop kinetic action you feel the punches you feel the slams when they do the finishing maneuvers like danny warren johnson busts out you know the giant uh, single page panels danny warren johnson has that manga influence where you know you can have entire issues of just fighting action and tell a story that way, just like wrestlers do in the ring. And I think once he gives you that buy and like, oh no, this really is real, uh, and gives you those emotional stakes, it's like, okay, this is a story worth paying attention to. And then he does what wrestling does best. He continues to raise the stakes. He continues to make you believe, oh, they're going to win the tournament. And then he takes it away. Yeah, the wrestling thing, I had such a problem with that. It's like they don't win, but then they can go forward because the two people that beat them kill each other. It's just like, oh, that's so no, contrived. That's, well, it's your heart strength. They, they tease you with giving it to you, and they take it away, and then they give it to you after it. So Vince McMahon did that many, many times when he was yeah. booking. I don't know if they pull at your heartstrings. I think they pull at believability, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a classic wrestling booking trope. Like, it, it's giving you almost what you want, almost what you crave to see, and then pulling it away from you as soon as you, like, want it. And then the sometimes they'll have the champion, the person, the challenger move on over a technicality of some sort, because then you, you're just going to get the ultimate payoff of what you actually want. Now, whether that makes the hero looks like a geek because he didn't actually qualify for the tournament, though that's irrelevant because you're going to get the, the pop at the end where you, the hero eventually wins or conquers Well, the- plus the fact that in this particular story, it, that all happens in a match with this team called... I kept on calling them Fatso because that's what it looked like. It was Fi- it was Fizo or whatever. F your uh, your shit opinion. Their whole storyline where these were two people that had lost somebody that was very close to them and they were basically in a suicide pact. So they were like, whoever wins this gets their choice, but we're going to fight to the death. And gosh, they do fight to the death. It was crazy. But that's the thing about wrestling is they continue to raise those stakes. They continue to take the things away. They continue to make you want it more. And because it's all made up as they go along, it doesn't matter what the reality is. They can just change it as they go. And so I thought Daniel Warren Johnson embraced all of those aspects of wrestling. Or if you've ever watched it for any period of time, you're familiar with, you know, these stunts they pull. Could you say that, I mean, when they do win, they don't win anything because it's all made up anyways. Ultimately, that you just deal with the repercussions of your no, way of no, life? No, no, Time out. They can, did can you do win. that? What do you, you know mean? what they won? It what? brought them back together. They're winning was not so much the fact that they brought their mom back, but they it was what the mom stood for. It was the fact that they healed that family unit at the in the end of the day. I, I just thought that was powerful. I, there's a line at the end of this book, and it's the most one of the most powerful lines I think Daniel Warner Johnson has ever wrote, and it's all about wrestling. 
And it's all about the fact that wrestling is scripted and everybody knows the end. And so, so who should care? And he basically says the same thing about life. That at the end, the, the, the script is written for all of us. We're all going to die. Like, that's how our story is going to end for everyone. But it's not so much about how the story ends or the script. It's the process of getting there. And it's yeah. telling that story. It's the right? chase. That's it. It's the whole point of wrestling. It's not about winners and losers. It's why they don't put winning percentages or stats, you know, in wrestling matches. Because it's not about who won. It's not about who lost. It's about the story that's told. Well, it's about the chase, too. The chase of, of trying to get the uh, unattainable object. Okay? Like One of the classic stories of wrestling storytelling is you take the baby face who is chasing the heel champion, and then eventually he conquers him. But they put him all the, these different obstacles in his way. Wrestling. Yeah, and then they immediately take yeah. the, the belt away from him because that's not what you want. You want yeah. that one moment of catharsis where he wins the belt, but then you want to build it up again. Like, you want to climb that mountain one more time. Like, you want to see the next guy sink to the depths of depravity, where they're pulling out steel chairs and barbed wire and thumbtacks. That's the best part. It's so ridiculous. They're in these matches that are like, oh, this is real. This is, it's not predetermined. And they pull out thumbtacks to sprinkle along on the on the, the squared circle. There's so much ridiculousness in it, but it's so awesome. And I thought nothing encapsulated pro wrestling more than this book, like talking about the stories that these people are telling and why that's so important. And then he cuts a mom in the audience at the end, watching them all along. Oh man. I will play. I have to play devil's advocate at this point to, to, to speak to J.A.'s point. I think you do have to have, a somewhat cursory knowledge of professional wrestling to really appreciate this. You have to be a wrestling mark to enjoy this. Like you can't just be, you know, a person off the street who, uh, who doesn't know anything about wrestling, who doesn't know their classic, uh, as Jay said, tropes of their storytelling. I go actually back to a, one of the letters that, that somebody read and wrote in the letter section where he says, you know, I hate wrestling. I don't want anything to do with this. You made me care about wrestling when are you going to write something else like Wolverine or Captain America? Because I'd like to see you do something worth your talent. And um, while I think that comment's unfair to you know the vast majority of people that enjoy this who are wrestling fans who really appreciate it, like myself, I think he does have a point in saying like you know look if you don't dig wrestling you're not going to dig this book. I I don't think any fun or or kitschiness that he puts into it if you don't care a lick about wrestling you're not going to enjoy this book all right well we've got a lot of talking here but we've got to get to commercial break so we'll be right back with our ratings for do a power bomb as well as our final thoughts and recommendations so stay tuned for that listeners we're the let's talk marvel fan theories podcast two sisters and marvel fans who discuss all things marvel content including the disney plus shows the movies fan theories and predictions marvel news and other hot topics in the mcu join us each week when new shows are airing on disney plus as we break down our thoughts on each episode predictions about where it's going next and potential implications for the wider mcu we also share predictions and reactions to all mcu and mcu adjacent movies and tackle other fun topics on a bi-weekly basis when there aren't any shows airing you can find let's talk marvel fan theories on your podcast platform of choice or check out our blog at let's talk marvel fan theories.wordpress.com so come along for the ride because marvel just blew your mind so let's talk about it Thank you. 
All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our rating. Oh, yeah, brother. This cream is going to rise to the top. Any case, uh, we've got a rating scale for you coming from J.A. Scott, as always. So what do you got for us this week? Well, because this book deals with wrestling, is it a four-star match? Is it a five-star match? Is it a two-star match? It's a Meltzer star. So we're going to go Meltzer stars because that's how they rate the the matches in wrestling, I believe. (laughs) But in any case, let's get to J.A. since he was not our wrestling aficionado on today's show. So, J.A., what did you think? So, Do a Powerbomb is obviously a love letter to wrestling from Daniel Warren Johnson and to all that that encompasses. And that's where I have some slight issues with it because, <laughs> you know, it shows the violence of wrestling. It shows some of the consequences of wrestling. The mother dies at the beginning. But I think it using the death of the mother to set up the story so that violence gets lost a bit. And what you don't see is what in real wrestling, you know, they're dealing with. You don't see the concussion problems, what people go through after they get out of wrestling and how their lives are destroyed. You don't see a lot of the issues and a lot of the problems that, you know, the big promoters in real wrestling have brought to the industry and i think had he done that maybe it makes it not as fun not as exciting but i think it would make it a much better story more rounded story the complexity of wrestling because wrestling isn't just about the stories they tell and the entertainment value i mean it's a very complex industry you get some very wealthy powerful people that determine the lives and and the stories I mean, it's not dissimilar to what NFL is going through in terms of as an audience, you're taking in watching, you know, these athletes perform at a very high level, but at the same time, destroying their body, destroying their lives, dying for it. If you look at like Owen Hart or the Hart family with Brett and, and, you know, these things, I thought you bring that into the story. Maybe it takes it to another level. It, it, it makes it even more real and i'm i was kind of looking for that i didn't get that that being said what we did get was fun and exciting and and i'm th- sure that the three of you are going to talk to that so i'm not going to talk too much i love the artwork i love daniel warren johnson's gritty style but i i just wanted something more and i guess that's because i'm not a super wrestling fan so i wanted a little bit more of the whole picture of it you know the bad and the good not just the good. So because of that, I'm going to give it 2.75 stars. Well, I'm going to go next. I, I, I don't think I'm going to absolutely give this a full four stars. I mean, it's close. I, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with 3.25. Uh, it's above a three. It's definitely a really good book. There are other Daniel Warren Johnson books that I've enjoyed more though. I'm not going to lie. I liked Wonder Woman, Dead Earth more. I like Better Ray Bill more. Uh, I read Murder Falcon, and I would have rather read that one on this show. But that's neither here nor there. When I when I first started this show, we talked about, oh, go back and listen to our review of Wonder Woman Dead Earth from the last comic shop archives. You know what's another show that you should listen to? You should listen to our review of Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Because this is pretty much the modern-day equivalent to that book. The plot could have been written on a cocktail napkin 
Not any disservice to Daniel Warren Johnson. There's a lot of heart here, but it's a pretty simple, straightforward plot. But you don't come to Superman versus Muhammad Ali, nor do you come to do a power bomb for the plot. You come for the art. And I will say this, that this art sings. This art sings so beautifully. You talk about, you know, being able to marry a sport with a type of art that would represent it. Danny Warren Johnson nails it every single time. Every single finisher move. The pillars of Golgotha, that, that's the finisher God has. There's an absolutely brutal finisher that these Knights of the Rhine do. Yeah, uh, that's a big rig or shatter machine from FTR. Oh, look at you! I didn't even have to come up with it. Yeah. By the way, I love tag team finishers, right? There's a poetry about tag team finishers that it does take two people working in tandem. And I loved it when I used to watch wrestling. I loved it in this book. And so I'm really glad that this wasn't like a single one-on-one wrestler thing, that this was a tag team match. Because, again, you get those human stories, those interactions between people trying to win. And it makes for a better story. So, again, it's a 3.25. I could gush, but like, read this, read Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Chad? So, yeah, this book is part of the year of Chad because uh, unlike some of the, the reasonable points that Jay brought up, and I don't want you to feel like I'm discounting those points in the least because some of the things you brought up are reasons why I stopped watching professional wrestling. But what this is, this is not uh, an expose on the worst of wrestling. This is a celebration of what makes wrestling fun. That's what you're coming here for. That's what you're going to get in this particular storyline. And do I think that there are times where the storytelling might have been a little bit oversimplified or things might have been a little bit cliche? I'm not going to lie. That's true. But also, some of the best wrestling feuds I've seen have those moments that are a little bit cliche. And it doesn't matter because they're part of awesome wrestling feuds. And there's a lot I can forgive when the, the poetry of motion, when the action is so exciting, it's so exhilarating, and get you in. And it's not just the action, it is the characters. It is the weird concepts. It is the fun that he's having. And Danny Warren Johnson, like I said, by setting this up where it's not just professional wrestling, it's taking place with this necromancer, so you have these ridiculously high stakes. But you have all these people from other planets that have all these different ways of doing things that all seem to result in Falls Count Anywhere matches with steel chairs and barbed wire, just like regular professional wrestling. It took all the elements of wrestling that are campy and silly, but wrestling fans accept. It took those, and like you said, Andy, it made them sing. And so for me, uh, I'm willing to forgive any of the flaws of this book. And they're, they're in there, but it was so fun. And normally, I, I'm not a big, like, ultra-violence fan. Not here. It's ridiculous pro wrestling. Like, in my mind, it's still not real. So I don't care when the FYSO people kill each other because it's not real. They're going to go back, you know, at the end of the night. And they'll be drinking beers at the bar later on with each other, traveling down the road to the next town to do the next show. But, no, I just had so much fun with this. The the colors are outstanding. Uh, the lettering is great. Whatever there's – I can't tell if he's doing – Daniel Warren Johnson is doing the art for the lettering on the big moves or if that's coming from uh, Russ Wooten. But whoever's responsible – the entire package is just so much fun. And there are times when I sit down with a comic book 
and I want depth and I want nuance. And this is not a book I would reach for in those times. I give it four out of four Meltzer stars. All right, Ethan. Man, I don't know how I can top that, but I guess I'm going to have to. I mean, for (laughs) me personally, like as the wrestling guy here, this is Flair Steamboat. This is Masawa Kawada. This is Omega Okada, which I'm probably speaking a foreign language to Jay right now. This is five stars for me. This is a Meltzer five star rating. I love this book from the bottom of my heart. This is one of the best comic books I think I've ever read in my entire life. The the art's amazing. Like there's so much new. Like if you're if deep in the wrestling fan, like I am, like you see GCW shirts, you see the AEW championship belt sitting on the Necromancer's desk, you see an NJPW uh, banner on his wall. They call it moves by name, Shooting Star Press, Ahari Moonsault. They said Shatter Machine or Big Rig uh, is one of the the Eddie Guerrero poster. Yeah, and it's going to take a lot to top this for me for comic books. So yeah, I I loved everything about it. I don't I don't care if the story is nuanced. You want some grittiness. You want some like political speak about exploitation. I get that. Like that that is a definite thing you should think about when you're reading stuff like this. Boxing. NFL, you know, those people are subjecting themselves to a massive amount of damage and and damage to their bodies for the sake of entertainment, for the sake of getting a paycheck. And there's people behind that that are exploiting them. That's not right. That's not me saying that I justify any of that. But for what this is, and it's a comic book and I'm reading it. And at the end of the day, sometimes wrestling can be seen as an art form because it's just men doing ballet and trying not to hurt each other. Like, that's the part of the wrestling that, you know, they're not trying to go out there and kill each other. I mean, they, they're they trying to kill themselves because they want to entertain the fans. But they're not, they, there's a trust in there when they're when you're doing a wrestling match. The American entertainers seem to understand that and the, the people from other galaxies think this is all real. And so, but like Chad said, if you dismiss that and you just, you take it as campy you know, wrestling fun you'll love it but you have to like wrestling at the end of the day like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and say if you don't have an inkling to like about wrestling that you should try to pick this book up no you have to have some kind of cursory or somebody who's a wrestling fan like andy or chad or me throws this book at you and says hey come be our fourth in this uh fatal four-way i should say yeah so loved it well, other books that you might love come from our recommendations. Yes, uh, every single week on this show, we like to give you other books that you can pick up at your local comic book shop. In addition to Do a Power Bomb, which you can try to find in single issues, but nowadays you can get this really, really great hardcover that just came out just earlier this month and uh, should still be on your comic book shelves. So if you have an opportunity to snag it, do that thing if you're so inclined. But otherwise, pick up some of these other books, and we're going to start off with Jay Scott. So, J.A., what is your recommendation for this week? My recommendation is Barnstormers. This is a new series by writer Scott Snyder of uh, a lot of DC stuff with wonderful, beautifully painted art by Tula Lotte. uh, Colors by D. Conniff. You can find it on Comixology. It's one of their originals. It's put out by best jacket press and i think you can maybe get printed versions but through dark horse uh, but you can get it for free on comiXology if you have a comiXology account it's set in the 1920s the sort of post-world war one there's this pilot he's 
trying to make money as a barnstormer in his little biplane. He lands in this town that he thinks all these people have been brought together uh, to watch him, but he, he really crash lands in the middle of a wedding and gets into a fight with the groom, thinks, okay, I'm, you know, I'll leave tomorrow, sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then middle of the night, he's getting ready to try to get away and the the bride-to-be shows up of this wedding that he's crashed and she's like you know i want to run away with you she's gonna try to make money on the side so she's gonna go with him and sort of a bonnie and clyde type thing and then halfway through it he's having these flashbacks of robot overlords i don't know where it's going but it's really kind of fun and exciting and it's good to see sort of independent press outside of the big two, the big three, the big four, whatever. So I recommend it for the art alone. And I do want to say this is what I love about our show. This is what I love about comics. There's a comic book or a genre for everyone. As Ethan pointed out, you know, this is his most favorite comic book. You wouldn't have known about it until the show. And now he loved it. So maybe there's person out there. If you like the Rocketeer or you like that sort of 1920s barnstorming era, old Flash Gordon movies, this this is the comic book for you. All right. Well, I'm going to come up next, and it does come out of one of the big two. It comes out of Marvel, actually, and uh, it's something that I recently got in a big giant gallery edition, which I've loved. I finally decided that I'm old enough that I need things with very, very large print. Because it's what is good for my eyes. Now, help me out here. How does the gallery edition compare to your standard trade? It's probably two sideways trades. So if you were to put a sideways trade uh, on top of each other, that's probably the size of one of these gallery editions. And uh, long story short, uh, make sure that you're picking up uh, Marvel's Contest of Champions in gallery edition. Now... I'm not going to lie that the plot of Contest of Champions is not that great. Oh, it's thinner than this one. I know, right? If Do a Powerbomb was written on a cocktail napkin, this was written on a post-it note. Half the size. We know it was supposed to be. The Olympic title. Oh, yeah! It was! And then they they canceled the Olympics then. The U.S. boycotted the Olympics. Right, exactly. They repurposed it. But the reason why you should read it is because it was the first major Marvel crossover. Nowadays, they've become very commonplace. But even before Secret Wars, which everybody thinks is the first big Marvel crossover, you had the three-issue contest of champions. And so this historically preserves that first crossover of Marvel where they were trying to get just the right seasoning in that stew. And eventually they perfect it with Secret Wars, uh, which worked a lot better. But... That first issue where they're pulling all the characters out of time and space and they throw them in a big giant arena and you get to see them all lined up. Great, great stuff. And in this one particularly, not only do you get the three-issue arc of Contest of Champions, but you also get two stories from Avengers Annuals, which kind of continue that story. But get this. It's great 80s comics. And it's huge, embiggened, great stuff. Love the embiggened stuff. All right, uh, Chad, you're up next. Okay, so I'm going to keep it with the wrestling tip. And there was a book that came out of AWA Upshot, which we love those folks over there. I got the trade out in 2022. It's called The Crimson Cage by John Lees, Alex Cormack, and it's colored by Ashley Cormack. And basically, it's uh, the Shakespearean Scottish play told throughout the squared circle. 
where this book is a little bit wrestling, a little bit horror. Your lead character is Chuck Frenzy, and he is the up-and-comer that really wants to get the championship belt and is willing to do anything for it. And he's pushed along by the lady uh, who goes by the name of Charlene Frenzy. But he's crossing his friends, and then there's sort of a Cajun bent, and so the witches end up being Bayou Maidens, and they, you know, you remember the Shakespearean prophecy, all my English major friends, about no woman born shall slay that Scottish guy. Well, this one is like, a no ring shall you be pinned. So obviously, uh, the match takes him out of the ring. Spoiler alert. But if you are interested in those parallels, it has really great, really gruesome, really graphic uh, art in there. But it tells uh, a sordid tale centered around like 70s, 80s style professional wrestling with murder. Lots of murder. So if you are interested, it's AWA, the Crimson Cage. Uh, for those wrestling fans out there that want even more wrestling, it is worth your time. All right, Ethan, let, let's wrap this up with your recommendation, sir. All right, so my recommendation comes from a book from 1994, of all things. Uh, this was a book that used to be on Andy's bookshelf at all times. It's Marvel's Greatest Super Battles. There's a lot of fantastic stuff where the Hulk fights Thor, and I don't know, for whatever reason, this this book spoke to me as a child. I don't know, like, I guess it must have been, you know, I was preordained to like the wrestling and combat arts and combat sports and all that fun stuff, so... I must have dug this. And one of the books that I did actually dig a lot out of it was Marvel 2-in-1 Annual, uh, number 7, featuring The Thing. The title of the book is called, And They Shall Call Him Champion. It was written by Tom DeFalco, with pencils by Rob Wilson, I should say, and inks by Frank Giacoa. The guy comes down to Earth saying he's the champion, saying he's all that in a bag of chips. One of the biggest heels around uh, wants to fight all of the Earth's mightiest heroes or some, you know, deus ex machina was going to happen to the, the world. And one, the only person that stands up to him is the thing. And basically the thing plays rope-a-dope with him, just gets pounded and pounded and pounded, but keeps coming back up, tries to, you know, get the, uh, the champion punch drunk. And eventually the, the champion has enough respect for what the thing does and says, you know, peace out, Earth. Thing, you did your thing, man. You're a champion in my eye. It seemed that though Earth did have a worthy challenger to the champion. So just, you know, your classic Rocky story, but I loved it as a, ch- as a kid. So, which I don't even know if the champion ever makes an appearance again. Do you guys have a beat on that? Oh, yeah. Now, he's oh. one of the uh, elders of the universe, like okay. uh, Grandmaster or the Runner. <laughs> but no, like the Collector and all those other people. Like, they're supposed to be the last of their kind. And so this guy is like the last of the champion. Yeah. He eventually joins up with the Deadpool Corps. Right. But a lot of those elders of the universe had the Infinity Gems. And so, like, that's how Thanos... There's a great story, if you've never read it. Then Thanos' quest. It's actually better than the Infinity Gauntlet. And it's all about Thanos going and beating up the elders of the universe. Which I think the champion has the power gem. I think. Don't quote me on that, though. But do they fight in a boxing ring? Is it Thanos versus the champion? That's what I want. If I could get that on a t-shirt, like, I'd be wearing that right now on this show. But <laughs> That would be awesome on a t-shirt. And if you're looking for other awesome t-shirts, as well as tons of episodes of The Last Comic Shop, make sure that you're checking out our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can get all of those fantastic episodes that we've been talking about, whether it's going back and listening to our review of Wonder Woman Dead 
Earth by Dan Warren Johnson. Maybe it's checking out Superman versus Muhammad Ali, which we also uh, did on this particular show. Uh, lots of great episodes, all available for you, evergreen, anytime you want to listen to them. And if you need bags and boards and boxes and all kinds of wonderful bric-a-brac to put all of these wonderful comic books in, make sure that you're getting out to bcwsupplies.com so that you can get all that stuff. Yeah, because they sell it there. And make sure that you're using promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off your order because you know that if you want to buy a lot of like wrestling action figures or, I don't know, pay-per-views, do they even have pay-per-views? Like, or you can just get it all in a package. Regardless, you need extra money. So get that. You get 10% off your comic book order. And look, we're running low on time, so we've got we've to gotta move quick. Yes. So, socials, at Last Comic Shop. Find us everywhere. YouTube, Twitter, all the like. The website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where you can find what else, J.A.? You can find links to our merch store. We've got shirts. We've got tote bags, uh, coffee mugs. This week only, El Luchador masks. That's right. Everyone wants to do some backyard wrestling with a last comic shop, Luchador. Like Cobra Sun from the story today. Yeah. And last comic maniac, smash that like button, smash that five star review. Give us uh, some props out here for our quality work that we're doing day in and day out. Working man's champ. We're going to be heading to your area here soon, so you better be ready. Pump your fist and let's go, last comic shop. And ladies and gentlemen, while we might be the last comic shop podcast we hope you need, we don't want to be the last comic shop. So we encourage everybody to get out there, check out, do a power bomb, or you can check out Barnstormers uh, through Comixology or in print from Dark Horse. You might want to get that gallery edition of the Contest of Champions. Uh, maybe you want to find AWA's The Crimson Cage for your wrestling fix. Or Ethan's recommendation of Marvel's Greatest Super Battles, circa... 1994. Find all that and more at your local comic shop. Don't know where that is? Use the comic shop locator at www.comicshoplocator.com. All right. And until next week, when we hope that you come back to our squared circle, I was the host of Most Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, and the wonderful Ethan Larson. And we hope that you stay safe, stay warm, and remember that if you're going to make jokes about the unemployed, don't bother. They never work. Oh. <laughs> you gotta stop You're with the dad jokes. You gotta thing. stop with them. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. Comic Shop was a 2023 Black Angus production.